coming up on the Rip Body Podcast. The yeah. scale weight is going to fluctuate as you diet, and the scale weight is going to fluctuate as you gain weight. And the scale weight does not capture just fat and muscle mass. It's capturing a bunch of other things. And if you don't let go of the fluctuation that you see each day, throughout the day, and throughout the week, you're going to drive yourself mad. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Morgan, and on the Rip Body Podcast, we teach how to achieve long-term physique transformation. In this episode, Dr. Emil and I discuss how to properly use the scale to inform our decisions rather than letting it toss us around emotionally. Enjoy. Emil, title of this one, Stop Letting the Scale Ruin Your Life. I like that. Why is it that you phrase it like that? Because people allow it to, they give it permission to control their emotions and their lives. Mm. And that is just not needed. And it's a choice. So that's why I like that way of phrasing it. Have you been reading uh, a little bit of uh, Marcus Aurelius, some Stoic philosophy there? Oh, I love the Stoic philosophy. But yeah, this is both fundamental Stoic philosophy, but just a universal principle for life. And it moves into many different areas, which is why I like scale weight as an opportunity to develop yourself personally in the whole of life. This is far too fluffy for me, mate. So let's get back to the <laughs> tactics, the, 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 the no right. bullshit that we're known for over here at ripbody.com. I don't know what kind of jokes you're doing over on your coaching, but come on, l l let's come back to brass tacks. People get it in the head that scale weight equals fat change right? Or, oh, I've gained 10 pounds in the last two months. My bulk is going really well. So they let it ruin their life in two kinds of ways there. The yeah. scale weight is going to fluctuate as you diet, and the scale weight is going to fluctuate as you gain weight. And the scale weight does not capture just fat and muscle mass. It's capturing a bunch of other things. And if you don't let go of the fluctuation that you see each day, throughout the day and throughout the week, you're going to drive yourself mad. And I see people do it so often. And it's one of the things that I insist that clients just battle through straight from the start. It's like, you are going to weigh yourself first thing in the morning every day. And if you want to work with me, that's what you have to agree to do. And you are going to see that there are going to be fluctuations and I'm going to talk to you about why those fluctuations are happening. And yes, your data looks absolutely normal. And you're going to learn that it's just waves. These are just waves on the ocean, right? And we're looking for the trend. So you've got to not let it bother you. But why do these fluctuations happen in the first place? What's going on? Yeah, I think that's that one one part of the bigger picture is understanding the what's going on essentially. And a lot of people mm. say, "Why are you measuring body weight and not body fat?" For example, like why? No. why? Oh, that's another can of worms. <laughs> that's another can of worms. <laughs> mm. so, so suffice to say, at this stage, that if you like body weight is perfectly fine. Like body weight will give you all the information you need as long as you interpret it correctly. And this is the key with data, you have to interpret it correctly. Otherwise, it's meaningless. This is one of the issues with a lot of uh, these devices, Aura Rings, Apple Watches. They just throw piles of data at you 
most of it is meaningless. Body fat percentage measurements, the vast majority of it is unfortunately meaningless. And though both body fat measurements and scales provide or, or give you maybe slightly incorrect data, at least with the scales, we know why it's incorrect and we're very well equipped to get rid of the noise, essentially, because we know where it comes from. We know how it looks. We know how it behaves. So there's multiple things which cause the scales to behave like they behave. One is body fat, which is the one we're interested in. One is muscle, which we're also interested in. And then you also have things like poop in the guts. So the food that you're eating, which becomes poop, and then water, which is associated with that. Then you have uh, glycogen, carbs stored in the muscles, which also are associated with water. And then you have the body water, which fluctuates quite significantly according to stress, sleep, and a million and one other things. Now, the key with all those other things, apart from fat and muscle, are that they fluctuate relatively rapidly over days, hours and days, up and down. So yes, if you weigh yourself 12 times in a day, you will go crazy. But if you weigh yourself daily, take an average point Take do that the next week as well. Now you have two points of data. Do that the next week as well. Now you have three points of data. That's all you have is three points of data. Now you can make a decision after you've gained three points of data over three weeks. Everything else is irrelevant. You need to chill the fuck out. And over those three weeks, what you might see if you're doing your calories right is a downward trend. That is body fat. Awesome. That is pure body fat. You've removed the noise by averaging shit out. Now you have the body fat measurement. Now people ask, but I'm gaining muscle. Is that why I'm not losing weight? You are potentially gaining muscle, but it's an, it's so much slower than fat gain to the point that we can disregard it entirely during this process. If you are ever not dropping weight, it's because you're eating too much rather than because you're gaining muscle so rapidly. So this means that we've now excluded all the daily fluctuations. We've excluded muscle. So when you interpret the data correctly, all you have left is body fat, which is why the scales are excellent for showing progress in this thing versus a body fat measuring system, which uses a proprietary algorithm, which is opaque. We don't know what they're using and measuring and it fluctuates to a random number generator, which is what, why we do what we do. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have a three part series on the pitfalls of trying to measure body fat percentage itself. I've got, I think it's ripbody.com slash body hyphen pictures. And then I've got clients over, I've got before and after pictures of clients. I think there's a hundred pictures that I've shared on there for body fat percent ranges through from 30% plus to eight ish, seven to eight ish percent. That's to give you a rough idea of what people mean when they're talking about body fat percentage, but don't try and track it to assess your progress. Unfortunately, we can't. Look, people are going to try and sell you machines for home. They ain't going to be accurate. Yes, in lab settings, they have really good ones and they know how to use them. You don't have those thousands of dollars and that's not you. So forget that. Yeah, you can go and have a DEXA if you want, but again, they suffer the same inaccuracies. Instead of a two-compartment model, it's now a three-compartment model, which, which, you know what, we don't even need to go into that. Bod pod, underwater weighing, bod pod where they blast air at you, underwater weighing, all of them have their inaccuracies. I'd just say don't worry about it. One 
place where I differ with Emil on this one, I get clients to add in body measurements as well. And that is a step. Even Eric Helms, my co-author, uh, who wrote the Muscle and Strength Pyramid books, I don't think even with his bodybuilding clients, he gets them to track their body measurements. I have found it useful. It may be because of the population that he works with. They, Given that they're elite bodybuilders or powerlifters, they don't tend to have large fluctuations in muscle mass. But I do come across some situations where people accident. I don't tend to work with people who are going for a quote-unquote recomp where we're looking to hold calories level and they lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time because that only works in if they're a noob trainee and they're getting their training and they're eating enough protein and they're not overweight or even mildly overweight at the same time or they're coming back after a very significant training layoff usually people come to me at the point that they're frustrated so it wouldn't make sense for them to come to me at that time and but i do still get them people customers to track their stomach measurements and their body measurements generally, because then I can pick out, I've learned to pick out over time, potential correlations in what the muscle mass gain might have been. So that can be useful. And I would say if you do measure your stomach, measure at the navel, measure, say, three fingers above the navel, measure three fingers below the navel. And then you'll notice that some weeks you won't perhaps have a loss of your body weight as an average, but you might have a reduction in your stomach measurements and that may help keep you motivated and it's not always going to be all of those stomach measurements you will see it skew to be from the top down and that's because we tend to lose fat from the top down and that lower stomach measurement there and the waist measurement that really captures the lower abs but also the sides and the back fat which tend to be the last to go in men so yeah just a small addition there but if that is a step too far for you in terms of tracking then, hey, don't do it. It's all good. I just suggest to people to do that once a week. I have all my clients do that once a week. Yeah, and just to, I'm not saying you can't gain muscle. I'm just saying you can't see it on the scales. And actually measure, measuring the arms and the legs and chest, you, you might see improvements during a diet phase. It just won't manifest as body weight. Yeah, when it comes to the arms and the legs, you're, I, I or pretty much never see, I never see any gains there. Only initially when people get that initial pump, if they've been away from training yeah, yeah, yeah. for a while. And then from there, it's always either maintenance or gradual reductions. Why? Because, yeah, we think about the fat on our stomach because that's where we're focused when we look in the mirror. But actually, we have fat all over our body. I can pinch fat on my, I know that you have 0% body fat, Emil, but I can pinch fat on my arm right now and that's going away. Emil, for some reason, tends to store all of his fat in his, his fat, cheeky face. But, but from what, it's great because I always have abs because all my fat is here. <laughs> Yeah. Google Desperate Dan, people. You'll see the cartoon that he's based on. Yeah, do that with your chin again. And you will see your arms and your legs come down. That doesn't mean that you lost muscle in your arms and legs. I was going to say it doesn't mean that your arms and legs got smaller. They did, yeah. obviously. But it doesn't mean that you lost muscle there. And actually, if you're in like the, uh, the tight shirt season or the vest season or beach season, then often people will look more jacked despite the fact that they're 10, 15 pounds leaner, because now that definition is on show. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah, there's also fat within the muscles. Like you get veins mm. within a steak. What are they called? Marbling. It's exactly the same in yeah. muscles. So when that disappears, the muscle looks smaller. But yeah, the other one. No, please. I was just going to say the other facet to to all of this. One part is knowing, and then the other part is separating yourself from it. And essentially, the knowledge is just one relatively small part. People know this, and they still experience these emotional pangs. I, I still do. So it's a case of yeah, going stoic with it and separating yourself from that as much as possible, realizing that this is... And that my, my big issue with this is that people use this as an excuse not to weigh themselves. They, they And the same with like sleep data. They're like, I can't look at it because it makes me tired in the day. It's like, okay, you're allowing it to do that to you. You need to separate mm. yourself from that, treat this as very neutral, sterile data and then make a decision as to whether you want it to own you and own your mood and happiness or whether you want to use this as a very useful tool to achieve your goals and you have bigger things in life to worry about than what the fucking number on the scales says. Now, even knowing what it says and knowing that it's irrelevant, it won't change overnight. But this is a, an iterative process of seeing the number, allowing whatever the feelings come up, and then just very calmly setting them aside and getting on with your day. The first time it won't work. But by the time you've done this 50 times, it will start to have less and less of an impact on you. And this is actually quite important because this is one way in which the external world is affecting your mood and happiness. And it's a very innocuous way. If you can master the number on the scales, then you can start to master many other things in life. And what is happiness if not reconfiguring moments throughout the day from being negative to being positive, flipping a switch. I step on the scales, usually it's red, now it's green. If I start to do that more, I'm happier. And to circle it all back around, that will help you on this process of dropping body fat because you'll be less stressed and you'll just perceive the world in a better way. The other thing I would add here for female listeners or for those who are, say, doing this with their partners or female friends, one thing to bear in mind, as every woman knows, we we tend to forget the obvious. So I'm going to point out the obvious here. You, you're bloated at certain times of the month, certain times of your cycle more than others. So make sure that you're comparing for the same time point in your cycle with the same time point in your cycle or... That week, if you're consistent, that week where you are more bloated, don't factor that in to your assessment. All right. I know it sounds obvious, but it can be very easy to forget that in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it on a four-week cycle where you're comparing week one with week one, week two with week two. It just means you need to wait longer to get uh, to get data. And I also find, though I don't work with women right now is measurements work quite well for women but where inches might go down whereas the weight stays the same so that's something to consider yes especially for uh, petite women that, that don't have a lot of fat to lose maybe that, of course they won't necessarily identify as having a lot of fat to lose but nobody the kind of people who nobody would point at them and say that they're fat you could look at my friend of mine sohi lee if you scroll through her feed you will see how she's gained I think she's only something like five foot two, right? So she's not tall. And she was 105, 10 pounds at one point, maybe, a, yeah, something around that. I think now she's 130, 135. I think the point of the post was 
99% of people would say she looks good. She does certainly does not look like what people would imagine 25 pounds of weight gain would look like. And that's because it's muscle. And yeah, there's probably some fat in there as well. But when it's spread out over a more, a better proportion body, quote quotes on the better there, but a more generally aesthetic considered body, then yeah, the scale weight could send you the wrong way is all I'd say if you're a smaller, leaner person. Watching you tiptoe around this vocabulary I'm, is I'm incredible. L l listen, man, look, I'm trying, like, I'm, <laughs> trying. I'm a simple man. I've been in Japan 16 years. Like I, every time I switch on my, my social medias and my, my websites and the interwebs generally, like everything's on fire, especially in America. And I'm just trying not to get canceled here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hear just, you, man. I yeah, uh, that's so tough. I'm, I'm glad I'm doing well. Just another comment exactly on that is weight and obsession with a number, again, is something that we can choose to attach to or choose not to. And unfortunately, the weight of the diet industry makes us obsessed with a number. And from a data point of view, it's useful to have, but it's not the be all and end all. So what I say to people is, look, we have a number that we're going to aim at. It sets the direction of travel. It, it doesn't actually make a difference. You're not going to put it on a post-it note and wear it on your forehead. So we're going to use it as a tool to get you to your goal. You're going to drop a pound a week. And as you approach the weight, you might be 10 pounds heavier and think this is awesome. You might hit it and think this is awesome, or you might want to go a little bit further. It doesn't matter. We've nailed a process to cause you to drop body fat. The number is irrelevant. And what you'll actually find is, okay, so we have your body fat, which is slowly going down. And then we have the noise caused by water and carbs and everything else, which is fluctuating around this, causing hell with our brains. And then you have the emotional perception of how you look, which is an even bigger fluctuation around the weight, which totally plays hell with how you look. You might be your lowest weight ever, but for whatever reason, you feel 20 pounds heavier. And these are super short-term fluctuations in how you feel about how you look. And the problem is a lot of people base their decisions on their diet on these fluctuations. I have clients telling me, I'm fat today, I'm fat today, I'm fat today, particularly when bulking. And all I say is, you're not, you're fine. And then four hours later or the next day, they're like, oh yeah, I was fine. I just had a bad moment. So it's just bearing in mind that as well as these kind of hard data fluctuations, we have these emotional fluctuations, which can cause us to make decisions. Don't. That's one of the reasons I have clients check in only every two weeks. Yeah. Part of that is because it, it, it helps them live yeah. and sit with their fluctuations there and how they're thinking and feeling as well. Yeah. And that's one of the big so, things when people hit their weight is they suddenly yeah. don't have this weekly motivation of weight and maybe the weight even goes up two pounds and they're like, panic, when actually mm -hmm. it's just, you know, a biological system oscillating around a baseline, otherwise known as humans maintaining their body weights. So what I would say to you is if you are, if you're doing this on your own, which I know the majority of listeners, you're not going to be hiring a coach. If you're doing this on your own, make sure that you're only making decisions at set intervals. What I do with clients is every couple of weeks, that's where the decisions get made. That's looking objectively at the data and also subjective like notes of feelings and stuff. And then the decision is made. You're not doing it in any given moment. If you can do that for yourself, you'll help yourself out a great deal. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your time, Dr. Emil. Pleasure.
Thank you for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the pod, email it to podcast at ribbody.com. I'll be manning that email address. If you'd like to follow Emil, he's Dr. Emil Official on Instagram. That's uh, D-R-E-M-I-L Official. And I'm Andy underscore Ripbody. If you're frustrated with your progress, often the answer lies in dialing in your nutrition. If you'd like to learn how to do that, go to ripbody.com and enter your email address. When you subscribe, you'll get my free nutrition setup guide along with a seven-day email course guiding you through the most common mistakes that people make. All right, until next time then. Peace.